And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Not as terrified as the angels when they saw the shepherds dressed like this. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at uh, what, uh, sorry, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Right, I'm going to take this off because it's going to get hot. Now the thing, the reason why I'm dressed up like this is I don't know about you, but um, sometimes we read this story and we have this kind of picture, which is kids, cute kids, like I was once, dressed up as shepherds, and we kind of think, oh, I know that story, I know that story. So anyway, let's take this off, because um, I will get hot. But the shepherds, what do we know about the shepherds? Any, anybody know anything about shepherds in Palestine in the first century? They looked after sheep. Very good, we're... We're getting there, yes. Any other information? They, they, yeah. Oh, how do you know that, Emma? Huh? You see, Emma is not just your average um, uh, nursery school teacher who just stick a dressing gown on a child and say, you're a shepherd. She will interrogate, not interrogate, she will indoctrinate them um, with the cultural perspective of said shepherds um, at the time. And so all the children will go, yeah. Yes, she's right, actually. Shepherds in those days were outcasts, really. They were the lowest in society, or one of the lowest in society. And, and as I said, they would, they would live outside the city walls. Um, they would live there. They wouldn't sort of go to work out there. They would actually live there. Um, and probably not go in very much because they were sort of seen as lowlifes and... I don't know. I don't know how they got there because if you read Psalm 23, what does it say at the beginning? The Lord is my... So that's obviously a good thing, right? You wouldn't write that in a psalm if you thought that was a bad thing. Um, and so somehow, through history, shepherds had gone from being sort of uh, esteemed and uh, sort of uh, looked up to, to in this point in history, they were seen as lowlifes, they were dis- a despised group of people, they were called sinners, they were ostracized. And I think we probably could make connections with people, groups today, like travellers, who are sort of like the outcasts in society, or um, foreigners, we would, you know, we would say, or, you know, the Poles, or the, or the Romanians, or whatever, um, or just groups of people, you know, how we, we try and keep at arm's length today, or not necessarily we, but society. And strangely, these are the first group of people, Luke tells us, to hear about Jesus' arrival. I mean, we have Mary and Joseph, obviously they had to know in advance. And um, you know, particularly Mary and Joseph, 
But, um, you know, the, the, as, as a group of people, it says on the night that Jesus was born, this happened, and, and the, the shepherds here. So, imagine the scene. We're nearby, in nearby fields to, to where Jesus was born. On the outskirts, as Emma's pointed out, on the outskirts of the city, outside, living in the fields, and it's night time. Are you picturing this? Close your eyes if you need to. Don't fall asleep. Okay. Um, I'm guessing they had a fire. Can you smell that? Can you hear the crackling? Yeah. Um, I'm guessing, guys being guys, there was a bit of chatter. There was a bit of banter, probably. A few jokes, maybe some earthy talk, should we call it? You know, probably some arguments. I don't know, when you live in close community with people all the time, and, you know, I'm sure people, there was a bit of kind of, arguments here about the best way of doing things. Probably There was probably a bit of ego going on, a bit of contest between, you know, who's going to do this, who's going to do that, who has, who's in the, 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 the top dog, really, in that situation. I'm guessing, though, there was also a strong bond with these people because they, all they had was each other. Um, I'm also guessing that they were really good at what they did. They had a keen ear. They would know the difference between, um, you know, an owl squawking and a sheep squawking, <laughs> in, you know, so that they would be, if something was happening, they would be on it straight away. I'm sure they had a keen eye for things. They would have known the, the, the area well. They would have known, um, you know, the weather systems in that area, you know, and the, you know, what the wind was doing. And I'm just guessing they knew their environment well. I'm also guessing they didn't get many visitors being in outcasts. So when they're sort of out for the night with the sheep, I'm they're probably really only going to expect a fox or a wolf or whatever things attack sheep in that part of the world. That's really all they're expecting to be interrupted by. They're, they're in an isolated community. And then, an angel appears. And we talked about the angels last week. And we kind of mentioned really, you know, angels in the nativity story, again, they get dressed up in white sheets. And we didn't do this last week. Why, why, why don't we do this? White sheets and tinsel around their head. Um, that's what the angels do, isn't it? Yeah? Yep. Remember that? I have to do that. So people always, please let me be Mary, just so I don't have to wear the tinsel on my head. Um, and that's pretty standard for the nativity story, isn't it? We, we, we have, um, <laughs> we have uh, these angels appearing. And so we kind of get used to, oh, angels, yeah, Zacharias, he's for an angel, Mary, Joseph, angels. This is angel number four, yeah, we, we know about angels. Um, and I was reminded, you. We watched the Apollo 13 film a few months ago now, maybe a year ago. But you know about Apollo 13, that mission, it became so routine going to the moon that they kind of just switched off, you know, the people. So they were actually on the spaceship, they were on the way to the moon, they were broadcasting to the Earth, so they thought. But actually all the TV networks turned off because it was just, we've done all this now, we've seen things floating in space until it all went wrong and then people tuned back in. But... We can get a bit like that with angels and the shepherds. Yeah, we, we kind of get it. We know this. But for these shepherds <laughs> who were sitting there watching their flocks by night, or washing their socks, um, this was an ordinary night in the fields that was interrupted by a heavenly visitor. And I want to point out, these weren't holy shepherds. It doesn't say they were praying by night, you know. It, this is not the Shepherds of Bethlehem Jewish Union meeting where they've gathered and they've, they're, they're sort of, you know, in some kind of holy state looking for the Lord or studying the scriptures at night school to get their 
bachelor of theology degree whilst studying at night. You know, they, they weren't in some kind of holy state here. These are ordinary, regular, low-life shepherds minding their sheep and minding their own business, only to be interrupted by an angel. Not a wolf or a, uh, a fox in this instance, but an angel steps into this situation, which is pretty amazing. Yep. How many people here have seen an angel? Okay, good. So this is unusual, right? Okay. But it gets even better because it then says, the glory of the Lord shone around. Now let me tell you, that is not standard. I'm not going to go to Emma now because she's probably done her research on this as well. But I will tell you, the glory of the Lord is not standard. This is not something that happens every day. Um, None of the other nativity characters get the glory of the Lord. They just have an angel. Just an angel, you know? But the shepherds, they get the glory. Now, let me give you a brief history of the glory of the Lord in the scriptures. Uh, yeah, well, I will do anyway. It's, um, this is just a really special thing. It only happens in very special circumstances and usually in holy places. It's not a common occurrence. And so, on Mount Sinai, Moses went up for 40, um, 40 days and nights and the glory of the Lord was there. That's a pretty uh, unique and uh, special event. In the tabernacle, um, there was a time when Moses couldn't enter into the, the, the tent because the glory of the Lord was there. But that was a pretty unusual experience. There was a few times in the temple when the glory of the Lord came and the priests could not stand to minister. It kind of knocked them over. But it was unusual. So in the temple, Mount Sinai, and in the tabernacle, special places, holy places, the glory came. Rare occasions. And so strong that it knocks people to the ground. In fact, Mary, not Mary, Moses asked to see the glory of the Lord, and do you know what the Lord said? Mm, no. I'll hide you in a rock, and I'll pass by, and you won't better see my face, because that'd be too much for you, but I'll, you can see my back. That's about it. That's how much glory you can take before it will probably zap you. Okay? So it's a rare phenomenon. And so we sing in the carol, don't we? And glory shone around. Move on to the next verse. As if like, oh yeah, yeah, it's just a standard thing. And the glory of the Lord shone around. Well, no, not really. This is a very rare phenomenon that very few people up until this point in history had seen. It was a big deal. And I would love to be able to tell you what the glory is like because I'd love to be able to tell you I've seen it, but I can't really, other than I know it, it's a bit shiny. Because it says, the glory of the Lord shone around. So I'm guessing the only way that they could describe it is it's, it's kind of got a shiny kind of substance to it, okay? Um, I can't describe it any better than that. It's definitely out of this world. It's definitely something to do with God's glory, his majesty, his honor. In the Old Testament, uh, the, in the word for glory, is something to do with God's weight. I love that kind of idea, that if, if God could sort of sit on you, <laughs> you'd, you know when somebody sits on you, kind of, oh yeah, okay, you wear And um, my children are getting more and more like this. They sit on you, on the, and you're right. Yeah, you're going up. And, but the weight of God just resting on you, that's something to do with the glory. And I imagine that that interaction with our world, God's glory with our world, is a bit like, well, there'll be something sort of fizzing about it. There'll be something kind of electrifying. You know when the rain falls on the, on the pylons? You know, you go past the electric pylons and you hear that kind of that kind of sound. I imagine, maybe it's because I've watched too much sci-fi, but I imagine that the glory of the Lord would have done something like that around them. It would be bristling with energy. 
and it says the glory of the Lord shone around these shepherds. So they're surrounded by this. This is a full-on experience of God. An angel and the glory of the Lord. And it says the shepherds were terrified. And I think rightly so. You know, these guys in their tea towel and dressing gown uh, are probably thinking, what on earth is going on? You know, Moses, I wanted to see this and he had to be hidden in a rock. And here we are out in our dressing gowns and we are in the midst of this. And um, so what does the angel say? As we said last week, can you remember? Good, well done. I'm glad that stuck. Huh? Good? Do not be afraid. I think it's a pretty appropriate message for this circumstance because this would have been pretty scary. Um, and the message carries on. There's good news for all people, really. For, and, and actually it's interesting that the message comes to these shepherds who are the lowest of the low. This is a sign that this message is for all people. Because it's not come to some king somewhere and, or, or, or some holy man. But actually there's a message that this message, the, the sign is, the message is for all people because it's come to even the lowest. Jeremiah prophesied the new covenant. In, in the new covenant, they will know me from the least to the greatest. So here we have the least encountering God. They, the angel says, today a saviour is born to you. Now, I think this is an interesting word, don't you? Uh, particularly anyone who's a mum here. When the baby is born, who is the baby born to? Usually the mum. Maybe the dad as well. But not some strange bloke out in his field, you know, like a couple of miles away. You know, if you've given birth to St. Peter's, you're not expecting somebody in, you know, Bockett's Farm or something to be going, great, we have a child born to us, you know? No. But interestingly, the angel says, a saviour has, a child has been born to you. This is like a gift to the shepherds. He is Christ the Lord. And here's a sign, you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths. I'm guessing that's a little bit out of the ordinary, that they would think that was a sign. And maybe it was also a sign to them that this baby is like us. He's lowly. He's, he's about a baby born in poverty. And just as they're settling in, I mean, imagine their eyes are starting to adjust to the glory light, okay? And they're just settling into this, the, the, the angel's message, the sermon. Maybe, maybe a bit like you are now, and they're starting to nod off. Then it says, suddenly, bam, as if this wasn't enough, a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel. I mean, this is now completely full on. Angel, glory, now the heavenly hosts. I don't even know what they look like. It doesn't even say they're angels. It just says they're people that, or things that, that dwell in heaven. So you've now got people that, or things that dwell in heaven have come to these outsiders who dwell in a field. And their spiritual experience has just gone from kind of overload to super overload. I don't know if you ever see, there's a YouTube video of a man who's probably maybe smoked or drunk something. And he's out on a field, or on a hillside somewhere, and he sees a rainbow and another rainbow, like two rainbows. And for about half an hour, this video is set up as just like a, his sort of GoPro camera type thing. And he's going, wow, double rainbow, double rainbow. And he goes on like this for about half an hour. What does this mean, double rainbow? Well, if you think that's strange, this would have been like, this would have been, if this had been videoed on YouTube, this would have been viral, okay? This company of heaven, heavenly hosts comes and they, they praise God and they say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men 
on whom his favour rests. This was a spiritual experience to top all spiritual experiences. So, that's going on in the field. You're now Mary and Joseph. We're, we're switching scenes now. Mary and Joseph, they're in the, um, their room w- with Jesus and they've just had the baby and that's, you know, that's an emotional thing and maybe they're just coming to that point where, oh, okay, right, we can settle down for the night. Hopefully the baby will sleep. I mean, he's the son of God so hopefully he'll know how to sleep. Um, um, and we'll have a good night and tomorrow is a new day. And you imagine knock, knock on the door and you've got these people who are effectively kind of like, Double rainbow, man. They've come in through the door and they say to you, well, we've just seen an angel and we've seen the glory of the Lord and we've seen a heavenly host. We need to tell you about it. Oh, you've got the baby. Great. Let's really tell you about it. This is like... And these are the outcasts as well. Where's the baby? You know, I wonder... I mean, Mary and Joseph, they've seen angels, so they probably are... you. Okay, yeah, angels, yeah. Okay, come in. <laughs> Take a seat. But I'm guessing they're... They, it kind of implies there are other people there, the other people that lived in this house. I wonder how would they have received these wacko shepherds? You know? Fruit Loops. You know, they've got this story about an angel, the glory. Yeah. yeah. Shepherds don't see glory. Maybe a priest or Moses sees the glory of God, but shepherds don't. Angels, then the hope, no. It seems a bit crazy. I wonder how we would respond if just people... The, the outcasts of our society come to us and start talking like this. Probably think they're a bit crazy. In fact, you've probably met people like this, right? You met somebody who comes to you with, oh, I had a, oh, you're a Christian. <laughs> I had a spiritual experience once too. Oh yeah, please do tell me about it. And then they go off and they start telling you about the double rainbow and you think, interesting. Yeah, you met anyone like that? You haven't. You need to get out more. Honestly, <laughs> they're out there. Okay, I can tell you some stories. I wonder how we would have received these guys. The people here in with Mary and Joseph, they were amazed. But I'm thinking, based on my experience, I've probably been sceptical. I'm a sceptical kind of guy anyway, but I'm guessing I would have been sceptical. The story, it seems sublime and ridiculous at the same time. You've got angel glory, heavenly host, and a message. Then you've got a baby in cloths in a manger who's apparently the saviour and the Christ. And the shepherds have had this experience. And it doesn't really fit my idea of the kind of person that has a spiritual experience. I'm thinking some a holy man or a priest or somebody like that. They're the kind of people that have spiritual experiences. You know, There are people that I esteem that if they said, yeah, I had this experience, I would listen. But then there are also the kind of people that I would meet and I would kind of go, okay, let's just fill in a referral form for you and send you somewhere else because they don't really fit in my idea of who should have these experiences. And I think what challenges me about this is the level of experience these shepherds had is quite a little bit uncomfortable for me. Um, we're evangelicals and we hold on to things like truth and the word and doctrine and these things. And, and they're all good. I'm not knocking those things. They're all good. But I think sometimes we easily bypass our emotions and our senses sometimes and experiences kind of tap into those things. Um, and uh, we're not just evangelicals either, we're British evangelicals as well on the whole, aren't we? And so we're kind of, sorry, you're risen from Australia, so this may mean no, nothing to you, but um, we're a bit reserved and, uh, and touchy-feely is not really what we do very well. But this is an experience of God that these shepherds had that just goes way beyond just knowing stuff. The knowing stuff 
we can form a doctrine, we can write it down, we can have a statement of faith, we can pin it on the wall and say, we believe this, and that is good. I'm glad we can do that. But experiences, they never really fit neatly into these kind of categories and boxes. Experiences of God, they just run a little bit wild. They say, I, I can say I believe in angels, but when you actually experience an angel, if you should do so, it, it probably won't fit into your category. Like we said last week, they probably don't have wings. Sorry. They probably don't. I have a friend who is convinced, and even see, I say convinced, because I, and then I trust her, but I still think this is a bit bonkers, Anne, I'm sorry. But she thinks, she has an angel at the front and the back of her car. She has two angels on her car. Um, I'm, I just have to kind of go with it. I've not seen them. <laughs> but, what do I do with that? That's an experience where I'm thinking it's a bit uncomfortable. I believe in angels, yeah, I believe, oh, but you've actually seen them on your car bonnet and boots. Mm, okay, a bit uncomfortable. I can say I believe in the Holy Spirit, but I'm sure some of you experience when the Holy Spirit moves, it's a little bit unsettling. Kind of. Yeah. I can say I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but actually to, to meet Jesus in person is, is like we've talked about the last few weeks. It, he's uncomfortable. And I'll give you an example. Let me, let's take healing for an ex example. We've talked about this recently, but I believe in healing. I think most of us here believe that God heals. We believe in that. Yeah? And we have done teaching, and we know the verses, and we know how it should work. And then we pray for people, and sometimes they get healed. And so we use, I'll use Keith's shoulder, for example. So Keith, if you don't know Keith, had a really bad shoulder. He couldn't lift his arm up here, and it was really painful. And he, quite a few months, maybe even a year, I can't remember how long it was. And then he received prayer for healing and his shoulder was healed. He can do this, if you ask him now, he'll give his hand in there and everything. There you go, there we go, done it. Um, but then he went to the doctor and I think we were kind of expecting the doctor to say, yeah, it's all fixed and here's the scan to prove it. But actually the doctor kind of went, mm, yeah. And the scan was pretty inconclusive. That's an experience of God that I can't quite describe, understand. Because to me, healing is healing, so it should be just a perfect scan and it should be fixed. Don't get it. The scan was inoperable. Okay. Oh, so the tear's still there, but he can lift his arm. Try and work that one out. Okay? I also, at the same time, I don't remember, but there was this meeting when Paul came to pray for people, and um, I was just about to get to my, the point of the, the, the meeting when um, Paul was going to pray for healing, and Wendy put her hand up, and I thought, no, not now, Wendy. And she was quite insistent that she spoke there and then. I said, okay, all right, you know, I was wanting to get on to the healing bit of the, and she put her hand up and said, I've got to tell you this, because I had a bad knee, and now it's healed. Again, my experience of God is I'd like it to, well, I think it should happen like this. And when, when we pray for healing, then healing happens. But actually, healing happened before we prayed for it. Figure that one out. A bit of experience. Even our experience with Ella is, is still puzzling to me at the moment. We prayed for healing and I want God to heal her supernaturally. And then we, we have these promises this year. And then we find a medicine that seems to have done the trick. So God's working in through the medicine. It's not how I wanted to, well, not how I wanted, but how I expected to happen. But when we experience God working, it's not quite fitting into our box. And I could go on and I could go on. See, truth is good and it's essential. We must have and know our scriptures. We must know our doctrines and, and, and have an idea of what we believe. 
but experience is essential too and will always take us beyond. And these shepherds bring us an experience of God. I don't know whether they would have known what an angel looked like or knew much about. I don't know how much they knew of the scriptures. They were Jewish, but I don't know how much education they would have had. I don't know if they would know really anything about the glory of God, but they experienced these things. And so we we have these two things where we, yes, we, we need to pray, we need to read our scriptures, we need to worship, we need to get into that rhythm of life where we, we do those things because it's all good for our faith and, our, and living in God's grace. But having an experience of God will always ignite and transform what are effectively just words on the page until that point. And that experience can come in all kinds of shapes and forms and I can look back over my life and I can say I've experienced God. There's been a lot where I can look back and I can say, yes, I've experienced God here. A bit like when you meet an uncle for a, after a long time as a child and they say, oh, haven't you grown? It's one of those things where you haven't actually noticed God doing stuff day by day but then when you look back you think, oh yeah, I see God. I have experienced God over a long period of time. He's changed me. He's He's worked to me. But also, I can tell you of individual moments where I've experienced God. There's been numerous (coughs) church meetings where the Holy Spirit has has moved. I can tell you one story. Uh, Around the time... Sound old to me, anyway. The (coughs) mid-90s. Yeah, that was the time last century. Um, there was this thing called the Toronto outpouring. I don't, I don't, if, I don't know if that really touched here or not. Um, but what happened, there was a lot of people were going to church and, and going into meetings and they would just experience the Holy Spirit which would induce laughter in them. And I really wanted to have this happen to me. <laughs> Again, here's me wanting to tell God how I want to experience him. They're all laughing. I quite like to laugh. I, would go, I was with a group of friends who some of them it had happened to and we went off to a Christian conference. I'd been to a church meeting, uh, I think Friday, and this conference wasn't into the holy laughter stuff. They were quite conservative. They, they knew their stuff. And there was a call for... They were into praying for people. So I went up to the front and some really deep issues. I wanted this guy to pray for. I got to the front. He didn't ask me anything. He put his hand on my shoulder. And bear in mind, these were very conservative people. Not really into any of the laughter stuff. But they're shaking. He's just stifling this giggling. And then they, he just starts laughing. Laughing, laughing. And he never prayed for me. <laughs> I never had my... And that was it. That was the end of him. Apparently, he told me the next morning, he'd laughed all through the night. He kept his family awake with this laughing. He had to stuff his head in the pillow in the end just to shut himself up. And, um, and then there was an announcement at the conference. There were black sheep in the, <laughs> in the fold and they needed to stop behaving like this. And I'm thinking, I didn't do anything. I still have not laughed myself. I just went to a meeting where other people experienced God and for somehow it kind of transported in me, I don't know how, I can't explain this. This is an experience of God. This guy starts laughing in a place where he shouldn't be laughing and can you explain that? I can't explain that. There's another time where I can remember completely different. I can remember as a teenager, I, I'd given my life to the Lord as a, in my sort of early teens and as a Christian, but I, I don't know whether I really knew much about anything. I'd certainly not experienced any kind of Holy Spirit activity in my life up to this point. I remember I was revising for my GCSE RS, and I'm a very studious boy, so I was, 
I, I remember it was, I was a whole section on the parables. So I just learned these parables and I was just read it over and over again. That's how I revised. And I was at that age anyway, not now, but that age, I was very good at just remembering stuff, reading it and regurgitating it for exam. So I kind of crammed all this revision in the day before the exam. And on that day, I can still remember it, that Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on my door and I was at home on my own, revising, and I thought, perfect. That's the only time in my life I've been like full on. I can just do it. Take, bring it on, Jehovah's Witnesses. I've been reading this stuff, so I know what I'm talking about. So it's probably a little bit arrogant as well as a teenage boy. Opened the door, gave them a bit of truth, closed the door. I can remember that night, and I, I, I had never experienced anything like this. I'd never seen people raise their hands in church before. I can remember that night sitting up on my bed and just experiencing something. And I can remember just on my bed kneeling and doing this. A bit like that thing that you read actually, Keith, in the sense that I kind of had this heavenly experience. And then I went to sleep. And did my GCSE RS. I got an A. Um, by the way, that's my only qualification for being doing this job here. So um, GCSE RS. You can sack me if you want. Um, but it was an experience, and I can still remember it. I can't explain to you. I, I didn't know. In fact, in those days, all I knew was the parables. <laughs> and the, uh, but I had an experience of God. But I can't say that. That's happened very often in my life. These things are quite rare. But in this new covenant age, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, and with the promise from in Jeremiah, they will all know me from the least to the greatest. There is something that I want to encourage you with that as well as knowing God up here, he will allow us to have experiences of him. Some will be over a long time, but some will be moments where he, it will be like an angel, it may even be an angel, stepping into our world, saying, here I'm speaking to you now, and then, and then just going. Because a bit like Keith, the thing is interesting, that Keith, and then I went to sleep after 20 minutes. It's like, and then the angels just went. And we would like to better hang on to the angels and say, no, stay with me. Yeah, drive along with me on my car every day. But more often than not, it happens, and then it goes, and you have to sort of live with that memory. But I want to encourage you that that, through Jesus' coming, is available to all of us. And so I want to encourage you, share your experiences. I've shared a couple of mine. I'm sure we've all had experiences of God. And if you haven't, I would love to pray for you that you will do. I can't say it will happen now, but it may do, and it may happen along the way. But the experiences of Jesus, of, of these, they all point to Jesus, if you notice. The angel's experience was pointing to Jesus. This guy that Keith read out pointed to Jesus. Um, but it ignites our faith, doesn't it? When we have that encounter, when we have a real experience, we can say, this actually happened. You may sound bonkers. I mean, I don't suppose I went back to my classmates before the RS exam and said, never guess what happened to me last night. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Because I had my friends and I'd like to keep it that way, you know? But let's just know that God would like us to experience him for real, as well as just as well as know the story. Those two things are vitally important. I don't think I'm not going to belittle the truth of the, the words in Scripture to match our experiences. In fact, pastorally, I always say never go on your, just your feelings or your experience because those things do come and go. Hold on to the truth always, but the experiences bring life to those things.
Does that make sense? So, remember your experiences, remember them to one another, and I would say, if you haven't had a thing where you say, I don't know if I've experienced anything like that, I'm going to pray that we all do at some point. Because I think, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, there's even more opportunity for all of us, from the, great, from the least to the greatest, to know and experience God in a real way in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your promise. And when you promise something, we know it is good and true. We thank you that all will know you from the least to the greatest. And so we're, we're gathered here today. And all of us desire to know you. We want to pray that as the shepherds had that visitation from you, it's pretty full on. Let us... Um, let us be inspired by that and let us trust their witness give us the grace to receive other people who say I had this happen and I had that happen and this happened to me and I experienced God in this way and even if they come from backgrounds or places where we wouldn't necessarily trust let us be open to hearing the testimony of you working in people's lives And I pray for all of us that you would open our eyes to see you more and to experience the real and living God in so many different ways. Subtle ways, but also disturbing and grand ways. If that's possible. Lord, we ask for your your grace in our lives to, to know and see you more. Open our eyes to see you. Thank you. Thank you. So I pray, just pray now. If, if there's anyone who hasn't had any of those kind of experiences, then, then just come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. We thank you that you are here for us and fill us. And we pray, now come Holy Spirit. And touch those who have not experienced and for those who maybe it's been a long time, they can say, oh, it's been a while since that happened. I pray, be, be gracious to us, Lord, let us experience you. We long to better hear more stories and testimonies of how you've, you've touched our lives and we've experienced you. Thank you. Amen. So I encourage you to share those experiences. If you've had an experience of God, share it, even if it's a bonkers one, or even if even if it's actually not a bonkers one. Um, and and just one final encouragement: I think we live in a generation that is crying out for experience. Um, I haven't done enough reading on it, but you know we, they're called the Generation Y now. I think we're living in Generation Y. There's a lot. You know, if people want to find out about Christianity now, they can just Google it. You know. And so everybody thinks they know everything about everything. Because, and even if they don't, they can say, oh, Christianity, right, I've got that. Oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah. If they want to find... And, you know, Scripture's pretty freely available. If people want to find out, they can find out. But actually, it's, it's the encounter. Again, coming back to this really timely, you read that, that um, thing out of the Elam magazine, actually. 
It is when people hear, oh, you had an encounter, you had an experience, okay, I want to hear about that. Because people today don't have the experience. They can find out, but they, they need and are wanting the experience. In fact, if you ask people, <laughs> uh, what, do you, what are people buying as gifts more nowadays? It's less stuff but it's more experiences. In fact, Emma was just asking me today, would you like this for your Christmas present? And it was talking of an experience. I'm thinking, yeah, I would. Because we live in a, a, a time where um, we're looking for experiences, whether it be a, a roller coaster or a trip to the Himalayas or whatever. Um, but so to be able to tell people, I have experienced this of God. I have felt his touch. is a powerful thing today. It's a powerful way. So I encourage you to share that. Amen.